The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Lord, be on my mind, be on my lips, and in my heart. When the days for Jesus' being taken up were fulfilled, he resolutely determined the journey to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him. On the way, they entered a Samaritan village to prepare for his reception there. But they would not welcome him because the destination of his journey was Jerusalem. And when the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to consume them? And Jesus turned and rebuked them. And they journeyed to another village. And as they were proceeding on their journey, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus answered him, Foxes have dens and birds of the sky have the nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. And to another he said, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. But he answered him, let the dead bury their dead. But you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to my family at home. And to him, Jesus said, no one who sets a hand to the plow and looks to what was left behind is fit for the kingdom of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Today's Gospel from the Gospel of Mark, is at the beginning of a very important and famous section of Mark's Gospel, chapter 9, called the, the Way, the Journey to Jerusalem. Mark's Gospel has a beginning, and then, of course, the crucifixion and the resurrection, but the two main sections of his Gospel are the ministry in Galilee and then the way, the journey, or starting with the transfiguration, talks about his exodus to Jerusalem where he will die. And in the first part, the ministry of Galilee, the mode or the tenant of uh, the mood is that Jesus is preaching, teaching, and he's working miracles to the crowds, and he's going around, and people are amazed. People believe or they don't believe. They see the miracles. They ask, who is this person? But their lives are not necessarily essentially changed. Does that make sense? But suddenly now in this passage, Jesus walks towards his death, an exodus from death to life through the resurrection, and says, come. If you wish to be my disciple, and follow me along the way. There's a big difference there. 
that part of the gospel, we and those people that were listening to Jesus are invited by Jesus to take the next step, if you were, that their life must change. And Jesus and God must be the center and highest focus of their life. And what Jesus is saying in the gospel today sounds awful, doesn't it? Don't bury your father. Come and follow me. You may not have a house. Don't put your family first. Put me first. Jesus is saying that if you and I want to be his disciples, God is the highest priority in our lives. And we need to trust that God's still going to provide for our family and everything else because God loves them. But there is an essential difference in our walk of faith. And all of us go through different stages. And there's a period usually where we're listening to Jesus like the people in the ministry of Galilee. Deciding who this person is. Is he really who he says he is? What difference does that make in my life? But there comes a point where we're called to have a deep conversion to be a disciple of Jesus, one that puts him absolutely first in our life. It changes the way we live in ways that are very difficult. Jesus likens it to death because it is a death to ourselves so that we may live with Christ and put him first. And everything we live for is to serve his kingdom and share in his mission. So, we have a couple of examples of this type of conversion. I have today a couple of examples of this type of conversion to help us get a better insight. And again, we're all at different places. And all of us, including myself, sometimes realize that we're not fully dedicated to the Lord in our lives. We have divisions and things that hold us back. But you may have heard this week uh, my brother passed away. We all, my oldest brother Pat, who was my buddy from you know childhood on, we played all our games and sports together. And all of us, many of us have had the experience of close loved ones dying. And my observation is, you know, I was in a business meeting with all the friars, and I've got things going in the parish. You may notice I get stressed sometimes and thinking this is all life and death stuff, and it's so important. But then when something like that happens, right, I'm blessed to be with like 30 other friars, and they all say, just drop everything. We'll cover it for you. You go be with your brother. And so suddenly the outlook on life changes. All these things that were so stressful, really become insignificant because you want to be with someone that you care for. And so, long story short, I never made it. The plane got canceled, and, and he ended up passing. And I'll be going back for the funeral. But there's another example. I hope that made some sense, right? Is that in the face of what life is really about, our priorities can easily change. And we don't recognize that life is short and we're here for a purpose, then we can get lost and burdened with so many cares that really don't matter. Here's a better example. This weekend, we're blessed to have a ministry from Denver giving us many presentations. Friday night, we had a presentation on life after life. People have had near-death experiences. Saturday, we had the Shroud of Turin 
And today, after this Mass, and all the Masses, most of them were having presentation on Eucharistic miracles. I was particularly struck, and the example I would hold up is what was shared Friday night about people who have near-death experiences. And I've actually known seven people, I lost count now, maybe six, who've had these experiences. And they experience a taste of the other life, the other side of death, if you will. One of the common things is, whether people have a good experience or a bad experience, because people have both, is when they come back, they change their life. They live differently. And typically, what they will all say is, the things that I used to be so concerned of are so insignificant now. Gaining money, positions and titles, security in life. The only thing that really matters is loving one another, caring for them, and showing your concern and helping others in this journey. And it totally changes their lives. They're not as afraid of death, so they're not afraid to speak up what's really true. They're not afraid to do what's really right. They're not putting worldly concerns before helping others, and they live differently. That's the type of conversion the Gospels are calling us all to now and God perhaps gives us the example of people who've seen the other side to testify to this or allows sister death, like St. Francis said, in the lives of our loved ones to help teach us that we need to have our priorities straight, that God and serving him alone is our highest priority. And that is how we live a life of meaning, purpose, and fulfillment. It's called being a disciple of Jesus. One other thing these parts of the gospel are going to tell us over the next couple of weeks is you might heard it say that by some preachers, and I'm not saying they're totally wrong, but if you give your life to Jesus, if you follow God, everything's going to work out for you, right? You're going to make money. You're going to be secure. You're going to have everything you ever wanted. That's called the prosperity gospel. And I believe some of that's really true. Don't get me wrong, because <laughs> when you start following God, great things happen. But it's also true, and Jesus is warning us, that if you follow me, he says just before this passage, you need to take up your cross every day. Die to yourself and follow me. Believing in Jesus, being a disciple of Jesus, doesn't necessarily take away all the problems in this life. It doesn't mean we're going to be immune from suffering. But here's what it does mean. And again, in the presentation of life after life, they gave an example of a saint, I believe it was, who came back to life, and he had been in purgatory. And they asked him, do you want to go back to purgatory, or do you want to stay here? And he says, I want to go back to purgatory. Because, and this is our Catholic teaching, even though there is great suffering, he is assured of salvation in purgatory. And he can endure that suffering knowing that he is saved and will be with Christ forever after it. And so that same type of once we are a disciple and commit ourselves to Christ in this life, that blessed assurance that Jesus is our Savior and nothing can separate us from the love of God 
that even when we have difficulties in this life, great struggles, we are not alone. We have the source of strength and we have that joy that is a gift of divine life. And so whether it's in good times or bad, being a disciple of Jesus, knowing that we are his servant and he is the highest priority in our life, is the strength and the treasure that is beyond anything good or bad this earth can present us. And so today we are invited to de make that decision. Do we want to walk with Jesus, to put him totally first in our life and trust in his goodness for all that we care about and to share that love that he gives us, that we've experienced in him with one another? Do we want to put people and God and loving them first, or do we want to be bogged down with the many things that are not necessary and are only passing? Let us recommit ourselves and take that next step of our faith journey to be his disciples and to give our life to him and follow him along the way to Calvary, his death, because when we die to self, with him, we will also share in his resurrection and have that blessed assurance, meaning and purpose and consolation now, but especially for all eternity. And the sufferings we experience now are small compared with the glory yet to be revealed in the eternity.